Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He goes, if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment. I was snapping, like. She is not interested in meeting with the opposition and she is hiding from the issue. It's so important that people are critical of what they see online and check people's credentials. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There are days when sport becomes the news. And this is one of those days. What a game. Talk about the nation holding its breath for 19 and a half minutes. We thought that match would never end last night. And when it did, you kind of go, we're going to the World Cup. Oh, my God. We're going to the World Cup. But what was beautiful about it was... There's a, Vera Powell is telling oh good morning by the way 0818969696 is the number Vera Powell is telling a lovely story this morning uh, where she says that Amber Barrett wouldn't have been necessarily her first choice as a sub but because of injuries she, she was left thinking right will I put her on and Amber said if you put me on I'll score if you put me on I'll get a goal and what did she do? She picks up on this pass from Denise Sullivan from Cork. Picks up on this glorious pass. Picked her out. And the rest is history. And we're going to the World Cup in 2023. Now, I speak of Denise O'Sullivan, her sister, Sinead. I know Denise is on a plane already. Is she to head back to North Carolina? Sinead, good morning. Morning, how are you? Good. She's already heading back. Yeah, I was on the phone to her at 7 o'clock this morning, so she was in Dublin. So she flew from Scotland to Dublin last night and was in the airport now for about 6 o'clock. So she's actually on a plane at the moment now. So isn't it like us getting on a bus? It's like her getting on planes, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> That's, That's how And how, like, did she literally come over for the game or was she here for a while? She came over um, a week and a half ago. Right. So she came down. She was able to come to Cork then to... To us for two days, so and then she went to Dublin. That's camp where they trained then for about a week beforehand. Yeah, yeah. She's, you know, she's so. in the States with the last five years. I hadn't realised she'd been there so long. We're in America, yeah, five years, yeah, yeah. She went five years ago, so she went to uh, Houston, Texas, yeah. and then um, transferred to North Carolina. Yeah. So she's doing very, very well. We're so proud of her. Yeah. Where were you watching the game, Sinead? I actually watched it. My mother is. My mother, so yeah, so um, very exciting, very exciting. Yeah, like it was a inch perfect. Pick your blade of grass, pass. Like she knew exactly where Amber was going to be. Yeah, she's great. She's great. 
great for seeing the ball like that, isn't she? She just played that ball right to her. She's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Fantastic. And they're all unbelievable. They play, like it was a smashing game and a very tough game too for them. Oh, I, I thought that 19 minutes would never pass. I can't imagine what it was like to be out there. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, was, I'd say, you, you were you behind the couch? Were you behind the couch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh my God, unbelievable. It's just yeah. brilliant. So will you be heading, hopefully, down to Australia? 100%, yeah. 100%. 100%. Gone. Oh, yeah, 100%. There'll be a good few of us go, definitely. Oh, I did the credit union to come on and pressure again. <laughs> Like, like they did for Italian 90 and, and USA yeah. 94. Like, yeah. when, you, when you now think, your sister, yeah. sorry, is she younger or older? She's, there's 10 of us, right. CJ, so she's the baby out of 10 of us. So, so. your baby sister, your yeah. baby sister is playing in the World Cup just like yeah. Italian 90. This is yeah. mad her stuff. Her dream, her dream has come true. This was her dream all her life. How, how as, long is she as playing, Sinead? Well, I have five brothers, so like there's three of my brothers that play soccer as well and still play to this day. They're unbelievable too, actually. And they would have handed her a ball when she was three. So she just continued playing. And, but she had her dream to go to the UK and play, go to America, and right. then do the World Cup. And her dreams have come true. And when did you first notice, or when did somebody first notice, come here, she's handy. Denise, um, I suppose she used to play outside my mum's with all the boys, isn't she? You know? Right. They never had um, a goalpost. They used to use um, a T-shirt on the side, you know what I mean? Of yeah. So, yeah. you know, good old days. Um, so then she went to New Farm. So I suppose she was she was noticed at that age, a very young age. Seven, eight. Yeah, well. Yeah, she was class. She, she's class. Well, as I said, I mean, that pass, like, if you put the ball on an ambitious string... <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have yeah. got more accurately through to Amber. It's a lovely story too about Amber, isn't it? She's standing on the sideline going to Vera. Amazing. Put me on, they'll score. Put me on, they'll score. Isn't that? Yeah, that's meant to be. You know what I mean? It's just meant to be, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the whole, the whole connection, the whole Milford connection and everything. And yeah. you were thinking of your dad, I guess? Yeah, yeah. My dad. My dad was with her there again. My dad was her, um, I suppose, he supported her from day one. Even when she went to America... My dad only passed away a week before that a week. Wow. So, but she still followed her dream to go straight to America. She got on the plane, I think, six days, six days later. So, and my dad would have been in talks with America before he passed away to right. get her to go over there. So he really was her supporter from day one. You know. Fantastic, fantastic. Amazing, yeah. You know what, Sinead, hopefully we get to catch up with her at some stage between this and the World Cup because I'd, yeah. I'd love to have a good long chat with her on the programme about the whole the whole story. Yeah. There's Also, we got um, Saoirse Noonan, of course, from Cork. She was, uh, she was on the bench last night, so some great yeah. Cork connections. And there's, yeah. not, there's a few girls on there with connections to Cork uh, as well that we might have forgotten about. But Sinead, listen, so let When you're talking to her, tell her we all said, well done. I will, of course. I will, of course. Thanks very much. Take care, Sinead. Thank you. Sinead O'Sullivan, uh, sister of our heroine, Denise, from Knocknahini, who put that pass through, picked her blade of grass, and there was there was Amber Barrett at the end of it. Amber Barrett, who's from Milford in Donegal, but her granddad, and I think her granny as well, Boltail, from Chris, look, it was a really emotional one for her. Like she got down at the corner of the pitch and pulled up the blank, the um, black armband that they were all wearing, and 
Ah, stop. It was, it, it was almost like fate intervened, wasn't it? If you believe in those kind of things, and who doesn't on a day like this? In the stands last night was soccer fan and former Lord Mayor of Cork, Northsider as well, Tony Fitzgerald, neighbour's child, done good, Tone. Morning. Good morning, PJ. What a, a great night and uh, a fantastic achievement by the team. Um, a great honour to be there. Um, delighted to travel over. Um, I've known Denise since she was six or seven years of age. Yeah. Coming into the youth centre in Mappahini, um, uh, she took part in a lot of the soccer tournaments as a child, yeah. played with the boys, and um, a great credit to her family, her community, and our country. Uh, we're so proud of her and all of the Cork girls on the team, and indeed the team effort. Yeah, played with the boys and ran rings around them, and people began to notice who's that young one? She's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, as Sinead said, they're playing up in Cotone Park and that evening with the lads. But uh, an interesting story is that we 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 run a, a, um, we used to run a soccer tournament at the end of the summer every year uh, in, from the youth centre in, in Harry Hill. And uh, one of the youth leaders came in to me and said, we've got a problem with, this, with the team. I said, what's the problem? So we, we've got one little girl who wants to play with the boys. And I said, sure, what's the problem? They're okay. Uh, and I'll send out those photographs later and Every summer, those those soccer tournaments just take part, um, and then she went on to play with New Farm, and the rest is history. Yeah. She is, I, I, Denise, like I suppose, with a local interest when you're there, um, you're watching her all the time, and she covered so much grass last night. She just followed up on every ball, and was, you know, everything, nothing would pass her in. You know, when she sent that ball in, she was just amazing for for Amber. So she, um, incredible, and she, you know, she is. I gave her a cock flag last night, so she's she's flying it around the world at the minute and took Fantastic. away with her. Um, a great girl, a, a, a lovely, lovely personality, and uh, comes from a great family. Um, and you know, she, her career is just you know moving on and on and on. Yeah. And to have somebody of her caliber, you know, playing in the World Cup next yeah. year from Nakhdehidi and from Cork. Yeah. It's just incredible. So we've equals Mayfield with Mike Eden. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure have. No, I was just thinking Maybe. of it, Tony, and you and I, we're both old enough to remember the, the night that we qualified for Italian 90 and the night we qualified for USA 1994. Last night was another such night. Yeah, well, I suppose we were very much outnumbered here uh, in, in, in uh, Granco last night. Uh, uh, very, very big, 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 big attendance from the Scottish uh, yeah. fans, and I, I found myself up in the corner uh, uh, on my own with uh, uh, a couple of hundred uh, Scottish fans. And when, when the um, when the the, the 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 penalty was saved, I jumped up and I found myself on my own in the midst of a couple of hundred Scottish fans. <laughs> So I said, oh my God, I'm on my own here. But I just kept shouting, kept shouting. And then when the goal went in, it was just, it was just a, a, a amazing. Absolutely Fantastic. amazing. Fantastic. Local uh, girl done great. good. Yes, yeah, great, great. great for her, great for Cork, great for the team. And, you know, we'll, we're, we are so, so proud of her and all the Cork girls. Right. Tony, thanks. That's former Lord Mayor of Cork, of course. Uh, Tony Fitzger- Fitzgerald. Yeah, just remember the names. Courtney Brosnan. Now, what a save. What a penalty save.
She just knew where that ball was going to be. Courtney Brosnan, Jamie Finn, Neve Fahey, Louise Quinn, Diane Caldwell, Michael Campbell, Anna Anya O'Gorman, Lily Ag. I think Lily Ag has a core connection. Denise O'Sullivan, Katie McCabe, Heather Payne, and Amber Barrett. And of course, we also think of seen Sarah Shanoonan, who was on the bench. She's from Grange. She was playing after. She was selected at number 20 last night. We're going to the World Cup. There'll be late night party. Oh, of course, they will play the World Cup now in the middle of the night. Of course, they will. New Zealand and Australia. There'll be something like 10, depending on the venue, there'll be anything from 10 to 12 hours ahead of us. So we'll be playing, we'll be watching the World Cup in the middle of the night. But sure, who cares? We did that before with the rugby. You've currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was Drax and Gomorrah are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. Yeah. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! <laughs> Angela Bridget Lansbury. She was an Irish passport holder, believe it or not. Uh, she was born in London. Her mum and dad were Moina and Edgar. Moina was from Belfast. Um, dad died when he was just nine and the family moved to USA. She started acting as a teenager. She had two Oscar nominations. Her first Oscar nomination when she was only just, I think, 18. She married a man called Peter Shaw in 1970 and decided to come to Ireland. They literally got off a plane in Shannon, hired a car, started driving around, found themselves in East Cork, saw a vacant house in Connor and bought it. She subsequently, I think, moved on to uh, Shanagarry, but she was very well known around East Cork. She came there every summer, and when she would come there, there was no stardom about her. There was no bouncers. There was no sort of Ms. Lans- Lansbury's in the building. She she went to the shop for milk and bread, like, like all the locals, and she considered Cork her home. And whenever she was working in the UK or in any generally any part of Ireland or Europe, she would stay in the house in, in Cork, and she lived like... One of the locals, and loads of people last night when they heard about her death, loads of people saying, oh, I met her here, and I saw her there, and I chatted to her for five seconds in Middleton. If you ever met her, I never did, uh, I must say. I never had the, the pleasure of meeting her, but, but some people did. Um, if there's anybody that uh, that's listening who met her, what was she like? There was an episode of Murder, she wrote, that was made in Cork, called A Killing in Cork, appropriately enough. And Deirdre... Hello. Good morning, PJ. Your dad was part of that. Tell me the story. That's right. We we have a great skit at home about it. Um, when my parents had the Carberry Arms in Ross Carberry, which I know you know yourself, um, well. we we um, they were filming that program in West Cork, and they would have done War of the Buttons around the same time, I think. And um, I know they were close enough together anyway. But um, Dad was asked would he do a little bit of a cameo role in it. Um, 
it was a nighttime scene. He was bringing Jessica Fletcher's uh, suitcases in out of the car, the boot of her car, and brought them into the the Carberry Arms. Um, I, I can just visualise the, the the flash uh, floodlights outside the house, um, outside home, and then inside as well, just to brighten up the whole place. Um, and that was it. But it was on again there only a year or two ago again because my brother had messaged to say that your your claim to fame is back yeah. on again. It's one of those well, one shows of actually that if you search any television schedule at any time, you'll find an episode of it somewhere. You know? Absolutely, it could pop up anywhere. Yeah, yeah, they're always on repeat, and they're they're just it's just good, simple um, viewing for anybody, really. Yeah, you know, it was it's, really, really. Uh, they were a great family shows. show, great, great family yeah, yeah. family program. Yeah, did, did you get to meet her? Did your dad get to chat with her at all? Um, that I don't know. Um, I don't. I presume he did. Um, we would have been in school at the time, so um, it was in the late eighties, we think. Um, we were. I were just trying to remember it um, yesterday, and um, he, he dad would have. But um, I think I, I don't know why. But um, it, there was never any more said about it. Um, yeah. I suppose it was huge at the time um, in in the in the village and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but um, there was there was never any more. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's after. why she liked Cork so much, Deirdre. That there was no, there was no fuss. Probably, probably she felt at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was definitely. No, um, yeah. Down on East Cork, yeah. she Stephen Pierce, the Potter, and the, uh, was a great friend of hers. And he said, like when they'd meet in the street, there was no talk about acting, no talk about films, no talk about the weather, and talk about the news. And she was just she very was ordinary normal. person. Yeah, she went to the yeah. shop for milk yeah. and butter, like everybody else. Lovely story, Deirdre. Thank you very much. There you go, the Carberry Arms and Ross Carberry. Deirdre's dad had a role in the fi- in, in in the episode. She was so tight to Cork, like she was practically one of her own. In fact, um, the old John O'Shea, one of the founders of the Everyman, remembered a time. There's a piece in the Examiner today from a few years ago. It's been reprinted today that she helped out the Everyman. They were moving to Father Matthew Street in 1972 and Angela Ensry helped with that and she performed at the opening in 1972 and she remained in contact with the Everman people throughout the years. Angela Bridget Lansbury stage and screen star big and small screen and stage and was acting into her 90s but she was one of her own she was of Cork and she will be missed. Oh, if you ever met, if you ever met her, bumped into her, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Claire, what is in? Are you rid of it yet? What's what's in your shed? <laughs> morning. Good morning, Vita. How are you? Good. Good. What's the story? Oh, we had a very dramatic. Sunday in our house and I went to my Instagram and explained it and the whole thing kind of um, yeah, got a bit of attention. So... You thought your cat was dead, right? Yes. Because of my dramatic other half. So he, our kids stayed up in my mum and dad's uh, Saturday night so we were getting a lovely sleep in till 9am Sunday morning Mm -hmm. which was lovely because I have two children and they hate sleep. <laughs> so we woke at nine and my husband Mark was getting up and he was going playing a football match. So the cat came into the bed. We have two cats. 
before Blackhawk came into the bed and was giving him a little cuddle and about 10 minutes later Mark comes back in the stairs again upstairs I said right he's forgot his football boots or something and he said Claire um, Bluebell is dead I said what? And he said I just went outside the front gate and like you know she said on the road I scooped her up she's in a bag in the shed look don't look in the bag I have to go play the match I'll be back later just gone this was so, your other cat yeah this is my other cat Bluebell we have two cats Raven and Bluebell so my black and white cat um, he told me it was dead so I said are you 100% sure he said I'm 100% sure it's black and white same markings it's her I was like fine like, not fine I was fine bed then and I cried for three hours cuddling my other cat I was absolutely devastated couldn't collect the kids and the other cat is going wondering what the hell is going on with my human yeah oh he never got more attention in his life I was going through pictures of them as kittens I was showing the cat pictures of them as kittens and I, I texted my mom. I couldn't collect the kids I about two hours into it I put up um, you know my condolences I was writing obituaries like thanking the cat for the last almost three years of like loving her and so I put up my Instagram and I texted my neighbour my neighbour the cat would always uh, go into her house and I just told her the news and she was really sad as well and she was always mean to her um, so Mark came back from the match anyway and he went up and collected the kids and he brought the kids back and we'd heard recently from listening to a Blind Boy podcast how important it is to like tell your children when they lose a pet yeah. Like we've only had goldfish like that passed away and I'd say, Oh, they're going to fish hospital <laughs> and we just like they'll forget about it in a few days. But we need that. Down the loo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're like, we won't ask. But we said, Right, we're gonna have to bring them in so we sat the two of them down, we brought them into the bedroom. My son is nine and um his name's Noah and he has autism and he's very matter of fact about everything. So we told them, we said, Look guys, uh, there was an accident on the road and Bluebell is gone and she's gone to heaven. So the response from my son was two cats minus one cat equals one cat. We have one cat left. Okay. And he walked out of the room. <laughs> we were like, oh, oh the okay. Logic. Just very, very, right, we, we move on. My daughter was like, what? She's four, Macy. And she said, Oh, well, we got to go to heaven and ask that we need Bluebell back. So then there was all that saga. We said, no, like, we're not going to see her again. Like, I'm really sorry. And so myself and Mark took a deep breath after. They said, God, you know, that was a real important moment in parenting there. Like, you know, their first introduction to, like, death and, you know, whatnot. Like, it wasn't nice. But, you know, we said, okay, yeah. we kind of nailed that as parents, you know. Felt very grown up. And your gram, your gram had, had lit up at this stage with messages, as happens when people lose a pet. Oh. Oh my God. And you know, like, I, I was never a cat person, but we got two cats during uh, lockdown and I'm obsessed with them. Like, yeah. so all the cat lovers were in saying, this happened to me. Mind yourself for the day. I was asking advice on how to get, you know, the other cat through it. And I was thinking, you know, he came into the bed this morning and it was like he was telling me, I think he saw it. So I thought the cat was traumatized. So I'm sitting here and it's past four in the day and I was at home and I was folding up clothes and just I mean my eyes were like sandpaper all day. Yeah, yeah. oh it was I, I'd never experienced something like it like a proper loss of our first family pet and you know walks in the door bluebell what yes my cat walked in the door your dead cat walked into the kitchen 
So I was like, Mark, Mark, <laughs> get in here now. I was like, Bluebell has walked in the door. And then I looked at him and his face dropped. His face was white. And he said, I said, you said 100% sure. And he's like, okay, Claire. Get out here to the shed. I need you to see this. And I said, I'm not going looking at another cat in the bag. I'm not looking. Our cat is here. You made a mistake. And he's like, no, you need to look. I said, I'm not identifying the strangest cat in the shed. Get someone else's <laughs> dead cat in the shed. Oh, my God. In the shed. Oh, my God. I would be divorced, Claire. I, I, I don't know how he isn't. <laughs> and then, like, a typical male behavior was, like, trying to justify. He was like... You can see how I would see it's the same. I said, I asked you one question where you 100%. We've just told the kids a couple of hours ago. Now they're going to, their first introduction to death, they think, oh, that's fine. If someone dies, they just pop in back the door five hours later. So I think we, we've ruined the whole thing here now. I had to get on to the neighbour saying false alarm, you know, not the cat. Then I had to go on my Instagram. I have a small blog page and like, I explained what had happened after getting... I felt guilty about the condolences. The mortification. I was mortified. So I had to go in and I had to tell my story. And then all of a sudden, I had all these new followers. Then I had an influx of messages. The story got about 4,000 views. They were saying, I am I know I shouldn't laugh, but I'm here and I'm, I'm so hungover on a Sunday watching your story. I have a small blog page on Instagram. It's called Queen Overshare. Yeah. And I, I do have to overshare everything because this was... My this, was the, this was the best advertisement for your Queen Overshare then. <laughs> uh, I, oh, my God. I was like, this would only happen to us, you know? So uh, we were really traumatised, I would say, for the whole Sunday. It, it was The whole day was crying. The whole day was mourning, grieving. Then it was like... Went through the whole stages. I mean, Mark had gone out and I said, I can't even look at her bowls. I can't even look at her food bowl and water. And I, next minute I turned around and he'd taken away the food bowl and water. Like, we'd moved on emotionally. We were trying to, like, heal from it before all of this. It was just unbelievable. Mm, have, you, have, you, have you forgiven him yet? Uh, I'm still a bit frosty, to be honest. But the cats have like we were like, this is a big eye opener. We're gonna we're gonna give them all the good food from now on, all the time. <laughs> so they're allowed up in the bed, they can do whatever they want. It was so we did think for we asked around, I put up on my Facebook, I was like, We have to find who owns this cat, you know, like yeah. I mean you know, somebody does own this cat, but we'd never seen a black and white cat. We lived in a small village in Crookstown, so like you know, we'd know all the cats that would be visiting. Um, so there wasn't. We didn't know if anyone had put up on my Facebook. We mourned this John Doe cat in the shed, and we buried this cat. And we're like, somebody loved him or her at one stage, you know. So we they, they got a lovely send off, and we were just putting it down to it was a stray cat. Uh, but then. There was a knock on the door Monday night and it was uh, someone living across the road and he said, someone told me that you had on Facebook. He just saw the Facebook, does anyone know black and white cat? And I just said, oh, yeah. And then he said, oh, you know, that was our cat. Um, They had it six months and, uh, you know, it wasn't around, so no one knew of the cat. So he said, do do you still have it? I said, no, we've buried it and we've sent it off. Um, I said, like, you know, it got a lovely send off, and he, and he was kind of relieved. He said, I really didn't want to come over and 
bring the cat in the bag back home and start that whole process. So I was like, okay. So then I explained what happened to him that we thought it was our cat for the for the whole day, and he was like, oh, I think you've no idea. How 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 did you um how did you tell the kids? I mean, as as someone is saying on the phone, I knew it. How do you claw back? Oh my god, yes. So we were like, we told the kids. Oh my god, so we're up in a hoop about it, going, oh what? So my son Noah was in the bath, and (laughs) Mark just walked in with Bluebell. I was like, Jesus, Mark, he walked in with Bluebell any time, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> Which is like probably not the right thing to do. But he's so cool as a breeze. He's like, oh, she's back. Okay, Grant, you know. She's not dead anymore. Okay, Grant. <laughs> as long as he has a mask down about it, he's good. And then Macy was like, yay, she's back from heaven. Oh, so we, yeah. That was a nice one, actually. That was yeah, a nice yeah. one because she said, we got to go and get her back, and she's back. That's I it. know. I think, you know, she thinks she might have some magical powers, you know. <laughs> That's for another day. That's brilliant. I tell you, that's, that's brilliant, Claire, because I have I have two cats as well. I have a black one and a black and white one. And the other night, there was an unmerciful yowling from two gar- two gardens down. There's a there's a stranger in the parish, and it, and it's not going down well. Oh my dear! The black and white one has gone off scrapping. And so far, oh. she's come back without a mark in her. But I'd hate to see the state of the other cat. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> It's it's just hilarious. Like I was always like I I presumed a dog person, and since we got these cats, I am I am converted. Oh, yeah. They're they're fantastic. And I just when it was up on my Instagram, uh, the amount of messages that came in, I I spent all day Sunday crying, and then all Sunday evening in floods of laughter. Uh, obviously, I was sad for the family that lost cat the next day, but I mean the the stories that were sent in um, about, you know, people had actually gone a step further, had like, you know, had a funeral. Sure, I was telling the kids to draw pictures of the cat, like we were planning a funeral. It was a full-on, we're going to have a service. So, and the other people actually had gone that far or someone else mm. thought that their cat was some, some, some people over. cremate their dead pets, like, I mean, you I could have gone the strangest cat cremate. <laughs> I, I, I said to the owner Monday night, I thought I was this close to cremating your, your cat. It would have been up in my fireplace. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake, Claire, what a great story. What a great story. And Liston was on saying, great story, uh, asking again what you said to the kids. They just, they were happy. Oh, yeah, they were happy out. They're so accepting. It was. We were so nervous about saying, uh-oh, we've really messed up. This is something that they're going to have to talk about in therapy. But they were like, oh, she's back. So accepting, you know. <laughs> Oh, Claire, great. You give us a good laugh this this Wednesday morning. Thank you, Claire McCarthy, Queen Overshare. You'll find she, I, I, I'm thinking all the stuff is still up there. The mortification of it. First of all, the horror and shock and sadness of thinking you've lost your cat. And it's in the shed in a bag. And you're there all day mourning the cat. And then the cat walks into the kitchen. And then you're wondering, whose bloody cat is it? Is in the shed. You've told the kids. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Corks ninety six FM's Sun Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know, it's not the same as it was. 
Brits and Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. You're so Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Win your way to Harry Styles live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Corks 96 FM. Back to the soccer. Uh, don't forget Megan Connolly from Douglas, who was injured last night but got some important goals in the qualifying games. Yes, Megan Connolly from Douglas, part of the Irish squad. I thought it was so appropriate that, appropriate that the score, the goal was scored by Amber, says Kate, and that she dedicated it to the people in Donegal. It was an excellent victory. Yeah, um, her grandparents are from Creechla, and as she said in a lovely interview with uh, Tony O'Donoghue, an old pal of mine, and I was so thrilled for Tony last night because Tony has been backing this Irish women's team since they since before they even had to protest for better gear. Uh, Tony O'Donoghue, who has always been in their corner, and I know Tony since our days in UCC. And I was delighted for him last night. And Vera Pau did a beautiful thing, beautiful gesture. Um, after the match and the interview, she presented Tony with a signed jersey. But The Sun actually has a fantastic headline this morning. And I can see this becoming a slogan for the Irish team headed for the World Cup. The Sun has a picture of Vera, an ecstatic Vera Pau, as you'd imagine. Big smile on her face. And the slogan is Pure Girl Power. P-A-U-W-E-R. Harry Baby, if you're listening, I think there's a T-shirt in that. There definitely is. 0818-96-96-96. Don O'Leary. Now, I'll talk to you in a minute about the teachers at the Life Centre, Don, but I know a sports fan and a proud Cork man. And and you know, do you know Denise and Seriously? You do, Don. Morning. Mm -hmm. No, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I know to see, but I have never spoken to them. But it was absolutely fabulous last night sitting watching that. I mean, uh, it was edge of the seat stuff, and, and it's going to have a huge knock on effect, I think, for kids. Yeah. Both boys and girls. I mean, there'll be a huge uptick in girls. But I think boys as well, and particularly when, when they actually see them playing in a World Cup final. Yeah. I mean, it was for, for a country our size, um, and, and how the, the, the women's game has developed so quickly that. We're in the world. I mean, could easily have been in the the, the the Euro finals, but the World Cup to make it and, and to make it in, in in a very good fashion. Yeah. Um, it, and and being short, as you said, they were short in players. I think so. it's absolutely brilliant, and it should be given. The, I think the country needed a lift, and, and Amber' dedication of the goal to 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 the people of Crystal was absolutely one yeah. of the most emotional there things I've seen. There was there was something. If you like, there was something moving in the universe last night because she was she was standing on the sideline saying to Vera, "If you put me on, I'll score. If you put me on, I'll score." Mm-hmm. And she did. And, 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 she, and she did. And it wasn't an easy take either, but she took it really well. Yeah. And it was Denise. And it was Denise made a goal. What a pass! And, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's just the, the look and the, the attacking. They always talk about her as an attack, but her defence last night, she was brilliant. Brilliant, great to see. Yeah, great to see, and there'll be some great days. And of course, they're going to play the World Cup in the middle of the night. But sure, we'll we'll have fun with we, that we, too. We, we'll be up for it. We'll be up for <laughs> it. Well, up for it. Come here, Don. Talk to me about the six teachers, mate. You've had to let them go. Eight teachers, actually, eight teachers. Eight, eight staff, the life centre. Um, look, this is the ongoing situation with the department. 
And unfortunately, um, this is going to continue into the future. Uh, the minister, as far as I'm, I am concerned, has done a U-turn um, since June. Because um, you met Norma Foley. I remember talking to you about that and you were really, you were happy with that meeting. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was happy, no, but, but, but it looked like there was a chance of some progress. Well, yeah. And we knew, I knew at that stage that there was a possibility of us losing between 8 and 12 staff. We lost 8, and we lost 8. And, and look, I, I, they were colleagues, they were friends. and That's a actually, family up there you have. Explain, Don, will you, for people who don't get it, why you lost those. What is the problem with your funding that meant you had to let them go? Well, well the, the problem with the funding is that we want um, our staff paid properly. Like, if you look at it, we have 55 kids coming into the centre here. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm turning away lots more than that. However, they, these 55 kids are, you know, we, weren't, we, we have known for the last three years left as a junior sir. They all want to go on and do a leave, sir. And that, that's, they, that's what they want. That's not particularly what, but I, I just want them to be happy and to be alive when they get out there. But I think the problem, the problem arises that, you know, we... we they had to go. We didn't let them go. They had to go to staff. I mean, they, they're not getting... I, I lose my staff in the summer. They didn't even come back because the majority of the staff that leave me in the summer have to go over and sign on. Yeah. Christmas, Easter, um, midterm breaks. And, and the position is that I, I wanted the staff paid. Um, the, the, there seemed to be a breakthrough in the fact that you know, we've been negotiating for two years. We were non-negotiating for one year because the department wouldn't, wouldn't sit and talk in real terms. They tried to inflict or enforce 16 staff from another organisation onto us, um, and that would have caused the staff to leave anyway. I remember that, However, Basil. However, they keep saying this, um, that they're opening negotiations. They are not. They are not. They, they have not met me. I, 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 had, I told my staff here... I mean, my deputy director and the other side were with me all the summer before they were to take the summer off. And I stayed in June and July to try and work out an arrangement for payment to staff. The staff that left me, you know, and here's the issue. Look, I'll get, we're very grateful. We have volunteers working in the centre. So we, we can get a maths teacher, I can get an English teacher, I can get a German, I can get a Japanese teacher. Well, I can't do. And this is, this is the important fact. The eight staff that left me in the summer had between six and 13 years service done in the centre. So I'm not losing just a maths teacher. I am losing someone who is committed to the young people that are here, who are committed to the model we work under, and who have worked really successful with that and make this place a community for the kids. Now, you can't get that experience. I mean, I, like, I, I could have 20 maths teachers, and they still wouldn't make up for the experience you lose. The problem for me is that I know I'm facing into uh, 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 another year and in September, a number of staff approached me, the older staff again said, Dan, we'll give up one more year. And the reason for that was in June we met the minister. The only issue that the minister was kind of taken by of the, of the things we were making was that there were teachers with teacher council numbers being part-time paid in the centre and they weren't getting full money. Yeah. She said she would look at that. I spent the end of June and June giving figures to the social inclusion unit of the Department of Education. And I know they were in contact with the DTP who do the cooperations, who, who have control of cooperations, to, to them as well. Now, my understanding has been and was that there was a proposal sent from 
uh, a civil servant up the chain to the head of that department. And you've heard no more. Yeah. No more. And that here. was done in July. And I know it was done in July. And you see, here's the issue, right? Every child that comes in here, I'm telling them they have a place in to leave it, sir. Mm-hmm. However, if I have the same impact next year, and that's the way it's heading, and I lose another uh, bunch of teachers and staff, I won't be able to take kids because, you know, they did a report and a review. Yeah. And we, we, we still, they didn't put our data in after we gave it to them. They then put the data in and reproduced the document. Yeah. It still didn't change the document. And the recommendations of that document are saying <clears throat> that into the future, if a young person is coming out of school or is falling out or a result, that they will be sent into this, um, I, I, I don't know, I'm describing it as a garage for kids, as we will understand this one, yeah. for eight to 12 weeks. At the end of that eight to 12 weeks, they're going to be sent back into the school where the young person is falling out of or going to be expelled. So that's not, that's, that's not going to work. And the other issue here is we can't fix children. Our model here is about relationships. It's about finding what the child is passionate about. It's about offering them the support that they need. Whether that's the exams are going to apply it. I'm not pushed about exams. You don't look at 625 points. There are other ways to get to where you need to be. Isn't, this, isn't it funny, you know, Dan, and that you've explained this to me before, I was only talking earlier in this week to two people from what you might call the alternative education sector, like the Sudbury School in West Cork and the other yeah. school up in is it County Wicklow, County Wexford, and how happy they are and how it's all gaining traction. And here you have uh, your own alternative form of education, which, which works really, really well. How many kids have gone through the Life Centre since you and I first started talking about it, Don? Well, I'd say it's over, well, if you take it, like, we take 55. It's, it's, it's probably over 1,000 students at the moment. But, like, the problem for me here is, you know... I, I don't mind, you know, someone saying Magnus saying, you know, the centre isn't doing what it should be doing. That, that's wrong. But if someone says that, we start the, the, the discussion in that manner. I don't mind that. I don't argue that. However, when, when, when you're told something is going to happen, yeah. and there's a U-turn and there's no reason, and, and I mean, some of the data in that is just wrong. I mean, I, I, I sat down last night, last Tuesday night, Paddy O'Sullivan, asked the minister a question about pay here. And what was re- what was said at that time was that, oh, they're getting cooperation orders and they get incremental rises and all is lovely. That is not the case. Now, we've said this numerous occasions. Yeah. But this is what the minister passed back. Colin Burke asked the question of the minister last night. And again, the same answer was given. So there, but the, the answers that local reps are getting back done... Not is correct. not the, is not based on the figures in front of you and the, and and the reality of working with your staff. They're, they're not like I mean, there's a, there's a crazy thing here, right? My staff get paid about thirty four euros if they're on cooperation hours an hour. If you ask the department how much those cooperation hours cost, they'll tell you one one cost forty thousand, the other cost eighty thousand for a thousand hours. It's that's not the reality. I don't know what they're doing maths and how their maths will go. But if someone is getting paid 34 euros an hour, how does that equate to 80 euros an hour? It's yeah, not true. It's and not. It's, it's just not. And, and 
you see, it's been repeated and repeated and repeated over again. And the numbers, and the numbers there. don't stack up. The numbers in front of you yeah. don't stack up with the numbers being reported back. One of the first times here, we, in 2008, we had a Corkman Minister for Education, Matt O'Keefe. The funding that was supplying money to uh, alternative groups or groups outside Main Street was coming from a social inclusion fund. But everything was being funded by that after school programs around the country. So they stopped it. Yeah. We had a whole school evaluation done here. The same as any school would have done. We got a brilliant report. Baddock Chief wrote me a letter as Minister for Education saying, in light of the report, we promised to continue to pay the money that we're giving you at the time. Um, but we are going to sit down with you to look at sustainability into the future. And you once, once we roll that out, your staff will be paid. I now have a Minister for Education telling me the same thing that O'Keefe told me in, in 2008. And, and for me, you know, if you listen about all the children that are out, the, the children with special needs, we have kids in here who have autism, right? It's, a, you know, it's, it's not something that we like to We have kids from all different areas. Yeah. We don't, we don't exclude children. Yeah. And, and still in all, and still in all, at the whim of a, of, of a civil servant, because I gladly believe in this, the civil service in the department, of mandarins, at the whim of a civil servant, the, the proposal that was sent up the line was buried in the abyss of trying to see And Don, we are no further My friend, for no reason other than time, I'm going to have to leave it there. You're passionate about it, you have been for years, and you explain it every time for people who don't get it. It's just not fair. It is just not fair. Scandalous, says Kay. Scandalous, the government are not supporting Don. He does incredible work. Don O'Leary, thank you. We'll talk again. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996 I will drop a Harry song. I'll drop that song. And that's your chance to get involved in sun, samba, and styles. You hear the song, you text Harry and your name to 083 396 96 96. I'll bring somebody on the air. We'll ask them a question, get the question right, and you're into the grand final draw. Another qualifier for sun, samba, and styles. That song coming up, it's, it's a One Direction song. Alright, it's a One Direction song. That's coming up this hour. 0818969696. Text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. People still laughing about Claire and the dead cat. Someone says, at least that takes care of explaining the resurrection to her kids. Tis true. Tis true. Don O'Leary has one big message in life, and that is every kid has potential. That is also true. I'll get back to more of your comments, uh, particularly about the match and Angela Lansbury in a little while. But first of all, this photograph turned up on my Twitter in the last few days and I wondered what it was until I read the text under it. Pat Phelan, I actually thought what it was was the little towel that they give you to wipe yourself down when you're... Co- or do they still give it to you? I don't know if they do. When you're coming in from a long flight. Morning! Morning, how are you? Good. Pat, I thought that's what it was. I thought it was a little hot towel they give you 
That was your breakfast? Uh, no, that was a... <laughs> I did, the towel is now gone. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but um, that was the kind of meal you get as the kind of second meal coming, you know, an hour before you land in the States. Right. So, Pat, this is Pat Phelan, by the way, in case anyone is wondering. Pat Phelan of Sisu. And regularly flying all over the world these days with the success of CISO, which I'm delighted to see, Pat. But you were on your way to the States, and this was, like you said, the second meal on Aer Lingus. It's, it's, it's kind of like someone did a wrap for you in a deli and then cut it into three pieces and gave you one of the pieces. Or probably cut, cut the edge off <laughs> the crust. <laughs> I gave you the crust. Please tell like, me that was I, included in the fare and it wasn't extra. No, that was included in the fare, but like, it, it's just Erlingus is just falling apart lately, and I'm, you know, as as you know, I'm flying young, so uh, I'm platinum, and I'm just about to become concierge on it. Oh, good. And man. you kind of, you know, I, I love supporting them, but like the food is just, it's just after whatever's gone wrong in the last six months, the food itself is just, I don't know, it, it's unedible, and then. They keep insisting on giving this thing out as the as the flight an hour before you land. They hand out this thing called a snack, and like it's you know it's smaller than the palm of my hand. Usually you'd get a coffee. This time there was no coffee lids. I asked for a bottle of water. There was no water. We were able to get a cup of water, and like it's it, it's just like a race to the bottom, you know. And what was it like pre-COVID, Pat? I mean, it, was, it was much better, I thought. Um, just means that people don't want to be there as well, you know. I, I, I don't know, since their lingus was taken over, it's just, it's gone really weak, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, people still call it the National Airline, but of course it, it kind of isn't anymore. No, it's, uh, I, I think it's Spanish-owned, I, I think, who the same IAG, people own. Isn't it IAG owned? Uh, yeah, British, British, British Airways. Yeah. But, like, the other thing that's kind of weird is, you know, when when you're kind of, you know, when you do reach that kind of status thing uh, on the airline, you put, you know, I, I threw it up on Twitter for a bit of crack. It was just so small. But as of this morning, it's heading towards three quarters of a million impressions and nobody reached out to me or anything besides you. Yeah. And it's on every national newspaper. They took it off my, my Twitter, you know. And how, how frequently are you on an Aer Lingus flight, Pat? Uh, at least once a week. Yeah. Some weeks too. Um, probably, probably twenty to thirty to forty transatlantic flights this year so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know so you're talking to me where, wherever I know it is. Wherever you are now, you're talking to me at some stupid o'clock in the morning. Uh, talk to me for, uh, for uh, and thank you for doing that for a second before we finish about the success of Sisu. This has really gone. Demented for you, Pat. I'm delighted. And listen, and, and the thing is, there's, there's three of us. There's me, Brian, and James. They're both doctors, and we've been friends. You know, I've been friends since James. James, Dr. James Collison. He was a young fellow, and they started it. And I kind of came in just as it was about to get some traction. And we had, we had three then, and now we have, uh, you know, we're kind of pre-branding Ireland for... But the injectable treatments. I know we can't say one of the terms, but and 
anti-wrinkle injections were probably the biggest brand in the country in Ireland for that. We opened in Hampstead in London five weeks ago. Uh, we opened uh, two in Miami. I'm here building one in Soho in New York. That'll open the week after next. We've got one next to the Flatiron building. Um, we've got one in Brooklyn. And we're looking at property now in New York. So we're looking for seven more. So by the end of quarter one next year, we want to have 10 in New York, one in Houston, three in Florida, um, thinking about the next country in the world, and 20 in Ireland. And we're opening directly across the way from the Ritz in London, I think in four weeks' time. Ah, Pat, that's some success story. That's great. It's great in a couple of years as well. You know, it's it's the first Irish brand I can remember that's kind of in retail that scale this fast, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic and thrilled thrilled for you and thrilled for your team. Come here, while I have you, I know you often comment on social media about the state of the economy and, and a man who's so, you know, ingrained in business and development of business in the economy and part of such a success story. Are you worried about the state of the nation, Pat, and the state of the economy and the state of the cost of living and the state of people's jobs? I think I think what's happened... I think what's dangerous for me, and I'm not a great economist or anything, I've got an amazing education, but I, but I think what's happened is the danger of it becoming a kind of a two-tier state. You know, if you, if you look at Dublin, it's the kind of people who work for the tech companies. Mm. And the people for work, the people that work for the people that help the tech companies. And what you've got is you've got all this FDI, which is, you know, inward investment by American companies, that in reality is, you know, if we want to call it straight, it's kind of a tax haven place. You know, when I look at Adobe yesterday with 22 billion earnings paying less than, less than a half a point on that to the Irish government. Yeah. So, you know, we're well known as a kind of a, a global kind of a tax haven at this stage, just creating highly paid jobs. You know, I think the average job in these tech companies is 150,000 in Dublin. But I think what's happening is, is the average person is being squeezed from everywhere. Diesel, mortgage, electricity, living, groceries, electricity. And, and, and I think it's going to get very tight over the next probably 12 months. But I think the only thing, you know, and, and you'd remember, well, PJ and me, I believe, you know, it isn't going to be the 80s. Our yeah. kids are highly educated. They've all been to college. You know, it's not that we're, we're going to have to go back and be butchers or whatever. You know, we've a, we've a highly educated workforce. That's only going to get better, you know. Yeah, that is a big change. You're right from, from, the, from the depression of the 80s. Thank you, Pat, and continued success with Sisu Clinics. They're now all over the world and still developing. Pat Feeden um, put up that picture on his Aer Lingus flight of, yeah, it looks like the end of someone's rap from the local deli uh, on Aer Lingus. Thank you, Pat. When you're driving past or walking past a Sisu and you're thinking, what's that? And you're reading the list in the window and you realise now there's 20, it's going to be 20 in Ireland, they've got one up to the Ritz in London, they're going to have 10 in New York, they're all over America. I think it's nearly 40 now around the world. That's the man who set it up with his two pals. 
talk about a Cork success story. Thank you, Pat Feenan. 0818 96 96 96. I'll take the break here, lads. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. If you had one wish today, what would it be? Oh, to see Harry. Oh, my God. Well, I want to help make that happen for you. Join me for more from 12 here on Cork's 96 FM. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Here's a list of strange things that people have put into their luggage when they're travelling. Now, I'm old enough to remember when if you're going on holidays to somewhere like Spain and Greece, and for a few years we did it because the lad, the young fella, had to have gluten-free sausages. So we, we did a little bit of this. But some of them are just demented. The things that people put into and still putting into their luggage to go away. Brenda Denny, he's a journalist living in London and, of course, a former colleague... Uh, 0818969696 Lads, if the button pressed out there you might let it go if you can because I thank you very much Brenda, how are you? Hi Pete, what's going on? How are you? I'm alright you, <laughs> you put this up on your gram for the fun of it and I did, yeah well I was yeah, go on, go on. You I got caught with something it. you see didn't you? I did Pete now usually before as an ex-smoker it would have been cigarettes you'd be really nervous about you know going through security, coming back from the Canaries or something. But um, I was home there for a couple of days and I was flying back from Kerry Airport. I call it the shed, right? Because the place is just, it's so small, but it's like, I love the place. It's been security there within four or five minutes. Cork Airport, no peace, to be honest, isn't good. But anyway, my mum had bought me chicken during the week and I love me all tuk tuk. I love my chicken. And, you know, there's nothing like your mummy's cooking. There's really not so... I was like, second, I'm going to have to get the all, um, I can't leave the chicken after me, you know? So I bundled it up in a load of uh, tinfoil. And I was like, there'll be no over here, you know? And um, then I was putting my bag through security. And they were, the woman further on, you know, you've got the first people. And then you've got the people who are looking at the computer and stuff. like that. And she started looking at me kind of oddly. And... Um, I was kind of like, oh, I didn't bring up my laptop, sorry about that. And she's like, no, 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 it's not that, it's something else. And I was like, what is it? And now I had antibiotics, so I was like, is it the antibiotic tablets, right? She's like, no, no, it's not that. And then I was like, what, what is it? I was like, what could it be? So anyway, she brought out the tinfoil peach and um, it properly looked, no, very suspicious because it looked like, look, let's just be honest here, it looked like a block of the white stuff, right? It really did. So she obviously were they cooked or raw? They were no, they were cooked. Of course, listen, why, I wouldn't be bringing them back. They weren't cooked. There's no point me cooking it. It's the mother's cooking, right? Right, right, How right. She does them. And had you frozen so it? Like I, I had put loads of tin foil around them, I, like a few, extra few layers, because I was like, I don't want these breaking up in the bag and ruining my clothes and stuff. So sure, sure. She kind of like. She kind of looked at it and I goes, oh my God, girl, they're chicken fillets, do you know? And she's kind of like, right, okay. And I was like, no, they are like. And It looked like it looked like a bag of Charlie, like. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie, looked like a bit of Charlie PJ. So anyway, she pointed at the screen and you could actually see the chicken fillet itself in the shape. It was like a raw chicken fillet. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was like, I'm still going to have to take it out. And I was like, all right, okay. And then... She swabbed the chicken and all. She'd just swab it and everything. And I was like, hopefully she's not going to get rid of it. No, because 
I had no food in my apartment coming back, so they were going to be my dinner in the night, you know. So she eventually swabbed it. She wrapped it up back nicely and everything for me, and on I went. But yeah, so then I she let oh, she let you keep it, did she? She let me keep it. She did. Oh, she that's brilliant. Yeah. So then I remember years ago as well. I remember bringing Cantork milk back to Wales, to Cardiff College. Uh, um, years they ago, they have milk in Wales, girl. I know. PJ, back in the day, there was we weren't drinking oat milk or almond milk or anything like that. It was like Cantor milk. I know the difference now between Lee Strand and I don't know what kind of the Cork version of the milk back then was, but like we were either Lee Strand or Cantor milk, and I was having none of it. Cantor milk was the one. But then I was sitting in. Um, I don't drink tea, PJ. I was a coffee woman here, but um, I just started chatting on the all Instagram. And I just said, I wonder, no, I just put up uh, an answer box and I said, tell me like some of the strange things that Eve brought with you. And I thought, no, I might get like 10 or 12 responses. I'm not joking. I got hundreds. I'm seeing them. Hundreds, I'm looking at them. I'm hundreds, looking at them. Um, all sorts. I mean, my one of my favorites was her brother, this girl's brother bought 15 pies from Jackie Lennox home to Boston. <laughs> yeah. Um... Soda bread in Australia and the customs threw it all apart. I think someone who was making a list and she was going away this week, she was getting 16 burgers, 20 sausages, three Kelly's white pudding, three O'Hara soda bread, three gluten-free boxy, small leg of lamb, Ballymaloo mint jelly. Um, someone else brought an apple tart to America for... Do these people live in places where there isn't any food? I, I don't know what the story is. Another one you've got here is cabbage and turnip. Cabbage and turnip and giants of meat. And then there was another girl, she said bodice and cabbage to Germany to her dad. Bodice. Right. Yes. But they have pigs in Germany yes. too, like. I know, but there must be something. They're German now, pigs. I'll be honest, <laughs> I will say the sausage here and the sausage back in Ireland, they're different, Pete. You're not getting the same sausage. You're not. Like, you're not. But, but, but. You're not. You're, they're different. They I've are, never, I've never been different. able to, and I can understand why someone would smuggle in a bag of rancheros and a packet of polo biscuits. I mean, they're okay. I kind of get that. Yeah, you yeah. Get that. I don't know as well. It's, I get that, but it's just I didn't realize that the response was absolutely huge. I, a lot of there was a lot of fries going to um, the Canaries. A lot of fry ups going to the Canaries, and then like someone else. And that's the gas part, Brenda. Bought. I was, I was at the Canary. I was in the uh, in the Canaries in holidays this year, right? I've been there a few times. You don't need to bring sausages and rashers to the Canaries. You don't. Need. I know the sausage is just not the same. It like, is the same. It is the same. It's, if it's fried, I, it's, it's, it's just so funny. No, yeah. I've had listen. I've had meat sausage now. I right? pork sausage over here, and I. It's just not the same as that Clannock Guilty one. I'm sure, it's that's just pork. Not. pork is pork, like pork sauce. What do you think is in a, in a, in a, in a Clannock Guilty sausage? I don't know. There's something special that you'd know. It's like the chicken in Abu Dhabi and those places as well. It's just all water. It's just, I'm telling you, Pete, we're blessed at home in Ireland. Oh, People listen, I've no doubt about it. It's the best food in Ireland. So but you know what I, what I used to find funny was, I remember this, people, and we did it, we did it ourselves for a while because when, when James was small, we had him on a gluten-free diet for a while and trying to get gluten free sausages in Spain was a bit of a nightmare so we used to get them in super value and vacuum pack them and all that but I, I could never understand why people bought bags of food on their holidays you know I can't I, never... yeah I know it's like home comforts my next thing now will be if I'm going away to a hotel somewhere I'm bringing my own cup because those hotel cups 
Like, you know, no, you're right there. The kind of, you're right there. They, like, they need to be banned. They and, need to be banned. And I bring a... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Small Hello. jar of coffee whenever I'm going to a hotel. Bring a small yeah, jar of coffee. Yeah, I'm just saying. And that milk, no, to be honest, the milk, That's you not hate milk. tea milk. No. That's, That's not exactly milk. Beach. It's not it's not milk. Yeah, but like, I just, is it an Irish thing or was it? Because I had a few of my... Um, but I wouldn't, hang on a minute. I wouldn't put the, I wouldn't put the milk in my suitcase. I'd buy it in the supermarket near the hotel. Like. Well, yeah, unlike me bringing the Kentark milk, yeah, no, I know, but I so, <laughs> I know there's a lot. That, Christmas cakes, Barry's tea, Flavin's yeah. porridge to Australia. Yes, yeah, Flavin. Well, there is a difference as well. I do find the difference between them. Wedding cakes were brought as well. No, this is and I, 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 this is the funniest one for me. Somebody's mother was going to Lanzarote, right, and brought spuds, Kerrygold, ham, and cabbage in a suitcase for the Sunday dinner. Should it? There's an Irish Sunday dinner every second pub at Lanzarote. Yeah, but again, is it? I think it's just their home comfort. I think that you know what? It's like when the Irish land, especially. In like Spain or somewhere, we're going for the Irish bar straight away. It's going for the Irish oh, bar. Oh, there is that. You know yeah. we, you know it's a comfort. You know we're very slow, and I would be too. We're very slow to, you know, kind of go. We'll, oh, we'll try this Spanish bar here, this French bar. You know, I think we just like we like our own a bit. No, we're some something else to socialise. But it's I think it's just we like our own comforts, and that's it. Well, I know someone who lived in Florida for a while, and there was a little shop. Uh, down the road from where they lived, who used to import the bachelor's beans and peas. And oh, I can imagine. Yeah. there were seven bucks for a small tin. They saw her coming. Wow. Well, they saw her coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what's funny as well? I see on my friend's Instagram in New York as well, and like she knows all the little places to get all the Irish stuff. And of course, there's a big um, price. Uh, mark up on them, but you'd buy it, you'd buy it just yeah, that little well, bit of home. So Ellen, it wasn't food or anything to do with food that Sue Ellen stayed there, Brenda. So Ellen s- smuggled into a suitcase uh, at Kerry Airport as well. Come on, Sue Ellen, tell me the story. <laughs> okay, so uh, as Brenda said, it's it's the shed, it's a really small room, the screening. So <laughs> I was, it's tiny, so one flight, it, it's jam packed, everybody is um, in it. So I put my suitcase through and the male um, guy was screening it and he stared and looked back on it and he called a female colleague. Yeah. And they were both looking and she said, oh, would you mind if I took a look? I said, she's no problem at all. So she opened my case now in front of everyone, which is grand, and uh, she pulled out a pink object that was like tidily <laughs> packed away amongst my underwear. Yeah. And um, she asked what it was in front of everyone. Now, everyone knew what it was, when, apart from her, when she held it up. She said, what's that? And I said, oh, it's a massager. And she said, a massager. And I said, yes. And she was running her hand up and down it, running through her oh, face. 
saying a massager and I was like, <laughs> yes, a personal massager. No, I was wearing a bright yellow jacket. Everybody, everybody was looking between. And she was saying, mm, she was rubbing it and then it dawned on her what it was. A personal was, massager. Oh, a I mean, like, did you... She was only about 10 years older than me. How she didn't know what it was, I think she's missing out. But anyway, that's besides the point. But, so she dropped it and uh, walked away, left my suitcase open and everybody was just looking at me and just I had to pack. I thought usually they pack back up your your suitcase and hand it back to you. So <laughs> I she said, I'm not breath. touching that. I'm not right? touching Again, that. after her rubbing her hand up and down, it should be me not touching it after her. I feel like I'm cheating on my partner. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, stop it. I did, so, I, I'm just thinking of the little airport down in Kerry. It's, it's and there they are, and they're I, holding up this yoke going, what the hell? Are you sure I, I knew what it was? Like? She did. She didn't. That was the thing. She didn't know what it was. And that's what was really, I'd say, she's probably about 50. And everybody knew what it was. So it was this back and forth, like tennis, looking at what I was going to say. Like, what was I going to say? Give, it's like, a I, I know, vibrator. You can get it from Love Honey for nineteen ninety nine. I know that if you drove from Farron 4 back into Killarney and searched hard enough, you'd probably find one. <laughs> Good Lord. That's, I think, I don't think, well, thanks. I don't think we'll beat that one, Brenda. That's, that's the best one of all so far anyway. No, Pete, actually, my own friend has a kind of a similar story to that. She had a massager with her as well, right? Yeah. And she was booking into a, it was a small B&B uh, last summer. She was getting holidays on her own and um, did the massager go off and uh, you're one the bag like in the bag and it was really quiet and everything so she was mortified <laughs> she got away with a thing with electric yeah the, 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 ba- the bag the bag is up the counter <laughs> <laughs> the bag was almost had a life of its own but she said it was a uh, a teeth whitener. She never said she was so embarrassed in all of her life yeah so I, I take a piece like people I'd love to hear other people I don't know they even text in ring in with their own they've brought over the man of the bed like turn ups and everything like I mean wild I, I literally because a lot of my English friends were kind of like I can't get over this you know they're like they're like a very strange kind of um, another one yeah yeah and this me and me ma'am brought a turkey to New York for my oh, yeah, uncle for Christmas one. like yeah, eating turkey one. at and Christmas is well, the Americans in like the Ameri- this is it like you know you. I mean you're going through customs to go to America if anyone knows I mean you don't be messing around with them you don't be messing around with them so and a lot of them got away with it the Irish charm of course as well PJ and can I just um, give Pat feeling a mention as well I availed of Pat services over if Jesus services you hear me there now Sisu Sisu services over here in London Hampstead and I must say give the man credit where credit's due it's a Fantastic. Fabulous brand success story, isn't it? And you know one thing I like about Pat? He yeah. hasn't changed. And that's the one thing, PJ. Not a bit. He hasn't changed. Not so, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> apple tarts. Someone left yeah. an apple tart wrapped in cell- or wrapped in tin foil in an airport toilet and the bomb squad came in for a look. <laughs> this is it? Wild. Only, Wild. only the Irish. Only, Only yeah. there is there'll be hundreds. Yeah. Brenda, <laughs> great to catch up, girl. Great to catch up. Uh, that's Brenda Dennehy, of course, formerly of this parish and now working as a journalist in London and commutes practically between there and the shed, uh, the Farron Ford Airport in Kerry. The things... I always thought this was gone, that people don't bring mad stuff. 
anymore. Someone brought a hot water bottle with them, according to Brenda's Instagram. A hot water bottle. What? To Mexico, for pity's sake. Mexico! A hot water bottle. Spuds to Abu Dhabi was another one. And there must be hundredweights of Barry's tea bags around the world. Oh, wait, one, eight, 96, 96, 96. Fiona, you didn't. You didn't. Yeah. Butter. Yeah. But why? Like, they have butter in New York. It's not, like, salty. Okay. Right. <laughs> so this would be regular butter, like, not, not, not spreads. Yeah. When did you... Like d- the how, block. Did anyone stop you? Um, no. Did it not melt? No. Wrapped in clothes. Oh, my God. That would ruin your clothes if it melted. <laughs> which which particular butter? You might as well give someone a plug. Um, dairy gold. Dairy gold butter. Yeah. You know the dairy gold export to the, <laughs> to the US? It's not the same. It's too expensive. Well, there is that as well. Yeah. So you don't like the American butter? No. No. And were you going for work or for holidays or what were you going for? A holiday. Holiday. So you needed your butter for your toast in the morning? Yeah. Everyone says it's not the same. Thanks, Fiona. Cheers for the call. I, I, I just don't get it. This, it's not the same. It's flipping butter. Do you know? Then again, you see, I'm the fellow who goes to Spain and buys the local bread, the local butter, the local cheese. We had a good one, actually, this summer when we were away. Um, my friend's young fella wouldn't touch the eggs. Wouldn't touch the eggs. And I said, hang on. They came out of a hen like the ones that no wouldn't touch the eggs. They're not no, they're not hens. They're not they're not the right kind of eggs. Michael brought a sod of cork turf to Berlin to have a smell of home. When he collected his bag, the turf was gone. <laughs> Someone had robbed his turf. Sounds like an episode of the field. Uh, we carried three tiers of my brother's wedding cake from Cork to Dublin to Copenhagen to Sweden. Madness, but it was the 90s. You see, a, a wedding cake is kind of precious, and it's not like you're going to pick one up over there, Mary. Anyone beat these? Who's got the madness? And, and recently, too. Recently. And why? Like, I know Barry's tea is, is like part of being from Cork. I do. But, like, and we did. We were going away in the summertime. Our friends that were over there ahead of us, a week ahead of us, she asked us to bring a few Barry's tea bags. I don't know why, though. Tea is tea. It's not Barry's tea, but it's tea. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with the latest in Cork Entertainment. Husband and wife duo, The Remedy Club, comprising KG McAvoy and singer Aileen Mython, have been described as Ireland's best-kept secret by Hot Press magazine. They'll be playing songs from their latest critically acclaimed album, True Hand, True Heart, this Sunday night at Collins, with tickets available from the venue. Access all areas. 
Fishamble, the new play company, is set to collaborate with acclaimed playwright Eugene O'Brien to present his first new play in two decades titled Heaven. This exciting new work opens at the Everyman Theatre on October 25th for two nights with tickets on sale now from the Everyman box office. Access all areas. If you have a gig, exhibition or any entertainment news coming up in the next few weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas on AAA at 96FM.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Somebody wants to know, is there a problem with tea bags, bringing tea bags abroad? Everyone seems to be talking about it. I know a friend who was actually stopped bringing some tea bags abroad. What, is there people being having them taken out of their luggage is what you're saying? Or that you just don't understand why anyone would bring tea bags overseas? Well, the number of people who bring tea bags and say, ah, oh, no, it's not the same as our own over here. It's not the same as Barry's tea. I'll never understand it, but people do. But then again, you see, tea bags, they could look a bit suspicious inside in the luggage, little packets of dust. Think about it. It could be a little... I don't, I don't know about that. Don't know about that. For me and my friends, it has to be Oatley's Sweets. Nothing like them. I have to, I have to confess, I haven't done it in years now. But my mother uh, makes a fantastic thing called Crazy Cake. Um, what's that, PJ? Uh, Rocky Road without the marshmallows? That's Crazy Cake. And my mother makes it. Um, and you'd make an entire tin for less than what you pay for a slice of it these days in some cafes. But basically, that's crazy cake. The marshmallows put the rock. Anyway, I used to bring one of those away on my holidays in the suitcase. I don't anymore because <laughs> the thing weighs about half a stone and would put up your baggage costs and all of that. I also love to bring a thing called Border Dark Chocolate Ginger, which are my favourite biscuits of all time ever. Border's Dark Chocolate Ginger. And you can't get them at the moment. Used to be able to get them in Debenhams. But you can't. Obviously, Debenhams is gone now. I don't know where... Anyone know in Cork where, they can sell, where they're selling dark, Border's Dark Chocolate Ginger so I can buy myself a tin of them for Christmas? Norma. Yeah? You were in, you were in Lanzarote or you were going to Lanzarote? We were going to Lanzarote, myself, my partner, and it was his first time abroad. Yeah. So we went over anyway, and next to that, he said, look, he said his buddy's young fella, he was young at the time, and he said that uh, he wanted to know what you were in back, a gun and holster to him. So I said to him, <laughs> you cannot bring a gun and holster in the, the you know, the luggage? So he said, ah, shall we see anyway? Why one of them in Smith's toys, Norma? Yeah. So we were going along anyway, along during the week. And next with that, he spotted a miniature little gun and holster. And it was kind of steel. So next time he said, look, he said, look how small that is now. I said, Dan, if we get stopped, I'll kill you. So he got it anyway. This is the the little shops down the front, yeah? Yeah, you know, as you're going yeah. along. So next, with that, anyway, he got it. So it came time to go home. And uh, I was packing the things, forgetting to ask him, where did you put the, the gun and holster? So I had a scissor, a small scissors, and I just put that into the, the hand luggage, you know, forgetting, like, which was only a tiny one. So we got to 
<laughs> we got to go home anyway, and next with that, there was a big queue behind us. Sweetheart of God, they stopped, they stopped, they stopped us. And next with that, your man was looking at the screen, and he then called one of the guards. Mm-hmm. There's the guards running up, holding on to his own gun and all stuff. <laughs> so I said to him, well, did you take out the scissors? Forgetting all about the other thing. So next he said, um, um, where did you put it? And I said, I don't know. Jesus, you, I forgot, you forgot to take it out. So that was grand anyway. Your man was looking at the screen. And I wouldn't mind. I had a bottle of Drambouille. <laughs> I had a bottle of Bacardi. <laughs> on inside the luggage and outside that dirty underwear. That was grand anyway. He opened the case and he pulled the whole lot out in front of everyone. So all of a sudden, he kept looking and your man kept holding his gun. And I said to him, where did you put the gun in holster? I wrapped it up in the face guard, he said, and I put it into the hand luggage. Oh, my God. I said, you're not serious. So next, anyway, your man was there and they were talking in Spanish, like, you know. Yeah. And next with that, I said, oh, I did. So he looked at me and he said, hey, what this? And I, I got so confused. I said, "It's fine. Try to ask him for one." I said, "It's, it's only a toy." So next, he, he opened the house anyway, and he was looking at it. So he said, "Right, uh, okay." And he looked at me. Well, I'm telling you, to have worth his life, coming all the way home. And everyone looking at my underwear, everything being pulled out of the, the case. Oh, and the big, huge queue behind us. I said, that's the last time you're going on all this, brother. <laughs> oh, I oh, tell Norma, you. Oh, Norma, you're you after making my morning. I'm girl. even shaking out, thinking about it. Because when I saw your man run up holding on to his gun, I said, we're dead. <laughs> I didn't know why, like. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I, when, when we got back I said to his friends I, said, I hope to God say he'll treasure that gun for the rest of his life <laughs> if he says a word if he, if he says a word I'll show some witnesses <laughs> oh Norma that's a great story it's, like, it's almost like the time I was coming through an airport in Rome now in my own defence I was about 15 and on a school tour and I'd been out at a market and I'd bought two ornamental daggers now they were as blunt as your thumb yeah. <laughs> two ornamental daggers from my mother to put over the fireplace and then there was this fella following me through the airport clicking a gun oh my god <laughs> have you been back to Lanzarote yet we were but you may be sure he didn't buy no gun <laughs> <laughs> didn't oh listen Nora you're giving me a great laugh this morning thank you what a story Dee can you beat that Hello. Hi, Dee. I think you can beat that, actually. <laughs> what happened? There were four of us going to Spain. There was a couple, and they had their own room. And and the next morning, and we went down to see them, and all her clothes were hanging all over the apartment, dripping wet. And we said, what happened? She was after putting two litres of CMP milk into the case. Ah, and of course... <laughs> <laughs> when, was and the, every... when was this? When was this? It was um, um, after a few years ago now, as I said, to see a pea milk. <laughs> and um, just so every stitch belonged to her was soaked in milk. <laughs> and, the, and the suitcase, she had to buy a new suitcase to come home. <laughs> 
jellyfish. And did it burst on the plane or did it burst when she was reading it? No. It must have been on the plane, you know, the way they throw the suitcases around. Did you, yeah? Like, in all fairness. <laughs> now, it was hard uh, sometimes in the past to get fresh milk when you were yes. away. You get that UHT stuff. Do you know? Well, the first, the first thing we bought milk in Spain, we got back and opened it and it was goat's milk. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. There was a picture of a cow yeah. on it. Well, it's funny, you know, you go to Spain, a couple of things you need to learn other than cerveza, <laughs> you know, is you need to yeah. learn the words leche entera. Could you just get <laughs> fresh milk then? I know. I'm sure this, that was years ago when, when we were young and stupid. And then my sister, we were going to America and my sister were standing waiting for her luggage and she says, the alarms went off and the luggage thing stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, oh no. And I said, what? I have a load of fresh shamrock inside in the suitcase. Oh I said, What? She says, I was thinking that we were going over for Paddy's day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she thought, she thought we, it was her shamrock that we were after finding it. The alarm was got off. Mm-hmm. But thank God it wasn't. Shamrock, a load of fresh shamrock. And, and, and CMP milk and it burst in the... Oh. Burst. Her clothes were destroyed. She's oh. not to wear. <laughs> was, there, was there a washing machine in the apartment? No. She had to wash them all by hand. <laughs> It's her own fault for bringing this. So we used to bring the butter, definitely. Why? I don't know, there was no taste of the butter over there. I don't think they put salt in the butter, you see. And no, Lord of Mercy, my mom, it was wrapped in a cabbage leaf, wrapped in tinfoil and then newspaper. Butter? <laughs> cabbage? Cabbage leaf? Yeah. With the butter? With, with I don't the butter know what the cabbage leaf did. And then, and then newspaper to keep the, the butter from getting too soft. <laughs> oh, stop. Listen, Dee, thank you very much. Yourself yourself, and, and, <laughs> and Norma have you made the best laugh. That's great. She broke over. I mean, I'm sorry. You're sitting there going, she took a two litre carton of milk in her suitcase. Any wonder it burst. Would you not at least have put it into a bottle and closed the flipping bottle? 0818 96 96 Fiona says PJ Spanish milk is vile I always have to buy chocolate cereal over there to dull the taste I don't get this and Dave says Spanish milk is vile it doesn't even go in the fridge even the fresh doesn't taste the same says Dave I don't know have I got different taste buds to the rest of the world I happily put Spanish milk leche and terra the fresh stuff the fresh stuff I'll buy cereal no problem with it Oh, wait, it won't, but certainly wouldn't be putting two litres of CMP into my suitcase. Now, one thing I would bring home from Spain, if I wanted to, would be a thing called Pan Bimbo Sin Corteza. Do you know what that is? Tell you after the news. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
but I kept watching yeah. her career and I said, God, girl, you really had a focus mm, in. She had. Jim, and, you have a great eye in you from watching young young people developing in, in soccer. And I was just watching that match last night as as a viewer who couldn't kick a ball straight. I couldn't hit a, a, a wall at 10 paces. I make no bones yeah. about that. But what I saw, particularly in the pass from Denise on, on to Abby, like... That team is full of remarkable skill, and Vera Pau seems to know how to get the best out yes. of them. Yeah, yeah, she certainly d- does. And you know, a, y- a younger Lambert coming on, Amber, and yeah. the she got a ball earlier and seemed to be beaten, lack pace, and was beaten for a ball, something like similar. But on that one, she just controlled it perfectly and. The way confidence and rolled it inch perfect yeah. just inside the post. I think that you you see the likes of the top strikers and yeah. Man City and that they'll be glorified. Yeah. Uh, Man City or and Crown Arsenal, but uh, you know the millions that they are getting right. and see a kid like that. Yeah. Coming on. What, what, what I love about Vera as well yeah. is that <clears throat> she gave an interview this morning and she said they were desperately disappointed a couple of years ago against Ukraine. And and when they were walking off that pitch and they were devastated, she turned around to the girls and she said, This will never happen again. Yeah. Yeah. She has instilled the confidence mm. in their own ability, but the determination, you know, that yeah. last six minutes of extra oh, time <laughs> was like, I said, surely there's going to be a deflection, a handball or a no goal here at the yeah. stage, but no. I'm thinking the, the nation holds its breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we couldn't yeah. hold it much longer. <laughs> yeah. Jim, it'll be happy days next summer. We'll be watching the matches in the middle of the night. Uh, that's Jim Worf from Passage West Soccer Club who met a small, blonde kid up in Terence McSweeney School, who said, I'm going to be a professional soccer player. And that was Denise Sullivan. 0818969696. Rosaline took spiced beef and soda bread to England. Right. Kev. Kevin took, for me going back home, Jack McCarthy's black pudding, Glen Lara cheese, white pudding, and tatoes. Well, tatoes. I mean, yeah. We were ringing a tub of Kerrygold through security in Cork in April and it was taken off us, says Una. Why, Una? Something about this non-salted butter in Spain, I suppose. We brought Barry's to London last weekend, Barry's tea. And my niece from America is studying there for three months and she can't get Barry's tea in London. Sachets of... Al- oh, this I can advise on. Sachets of aliole from Spain for the crusty bread. Oh, yeah, aliole and crusty bread is lovely. But you get that in the English market. You'll get aliole. There's a couple of lovely stalls in the English market who have that kind of stuff. Go in and ask for it. You're bound to get it. 0818 96 96 96. We're kind of staying in the sun and staying in Spain for our next topic of conversation because if you know Caboroy in Spain, yes, Caboroy, I've been there. I know my old pal Ken Tobin's been there many times. It's a great spot. Um, there's a, a matchmaking festival in Caboroy. And your man from Listunvarna is going to be there. We've got to find out more. 
Cork's 96FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know, it's not the same as it was. Five nights in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. You're so Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Win your way to Harry Styles live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96FM. Now, it's a hugely popular place with people from Cork. And Cabo Roy Strip, Cabo Roy, if you don't know it, is about an hour, maybe slightly less than an hour by taxi from... Alicante, and it's got a, a strip, and on that strip has got Irish bar after Irish bar after Irish bar, and they're all getting together in this month, actually, later this month, to have a love fest. Listoon Varna in the sun. Uh, Dearman Moore has El Faro bar on the. It's on the. It's right on the strip, isn't it, uh, Dearmid? How are you, Dearmid? I'm very good, thank you, PJ. Good yeah. man, good man. I'm just saying there that. The strip there in Cabo Roy's got Irish bar after Irish bar after Irish bar. You're planning a big party later this month. We are indeed, yes. From next Tuesday, the 18th until the 25th, a week-long party, yes. And it's a it's a, a love party, a love fest, like. But why why did, why did you decide to organise it? Well, I tell you, I'll give you a little bit of history about it now, PJ, how all well this came about. On the 12th of December 2019, the first case of COVID was diagnosed in Wuhan. Yes. And believe it or not, this is how all this came to be. And we all know the history of COVID and the way the world has changed since then. Well, the, this is how the, that was the original history, but there was uh, a couple of other things that helped it along the way, helped the love fest we have here in Cabaret now. The fact that our Paddy's Day parade had been cancelled for two years. The list don't learn a matchmaking festival had been cancelled for two years. Yeah. And myself and a good friend of mine, Brian Kiernan, who was the Trinity Bar in Cabaret, mm-hmm. we used to sit down. <laughs> we had a, a little hedge school, if you know what hedge school is there. I do, I do. We had a little hedge school up the slip. This was during a severe lockdown. <laughs> and we had to hide. We weren't supposed to be out of our homes at the time. And we used to meet early in the morning and we were saying, whenever this COVID finishes, we'll have to try and organise something. So in 2020, early in 2020, we sat down and we came up with the idea of the Love Fest in Casablanca here in Cabaret. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Strip is a perfect place because it's long and straight and gets very, very busy and there's loads and loads of Irish parts. So you're going to have music in the afternoon and dating events in the evening. Is that right? That's correct. Music in the afternoon and nighttime, dating events, and uh, uh, crack August Keol, as they say, back home. <laughs> now, it's only two hours by plane to Alicante and you'll get a you'll get a taxi up the road for 40 quid or there are buses as well. You You want people to come over. Oh, exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, there is a lot of people coming over already. If it's anything like last year, we'd be very happy. Yeah. Last year was a shot in the dark. We didn't know what would happen. Yeah. 
I believe Ryanair had to plan an extra flight over Shannon last year for the people who were coming and Ryanair didn't know what it was all about because there were very few people standing at the time. How many people came last year? You you had a great great festival. How How many people came over? I, I, I'd I guess I'd say there was seven or eight hundred people came from Ireland for it last year. Good I'd guess uh, yeah, No, I yeah. was there myself in uh, 2019. Well, I was in Lasenia, but we uh, we used to walk down into Cabaroy every day. And I couldn't believe how popular it is with the Irish. I really couldn't. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I don't know why it is so popular. It just is. They seem to find it and love it and stick with it, which is great. Now, you're bringing over the institution that is... Willie Daly, stay there, Dermot. Willie Daly joins me. He okay. is the man behind the Listun Varna Matchmaking Festival. Hi, Willie. Hi, how are you getting on, Peter? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Good morning, Willie. You're heading, Hi, Dermot. You're heading over. Yeah, Peter, I'm very excited about it. You know, I suppose for me, it's a new identity, like... Uh, you know, love in the sun, and uh, it's that time of the year when our climate starts to getting cold and a bit wet. So, it has a great excitement and great possibilities of people finding love, being in love, and being loved. I always feel that, you know, everyone should experience the wonderful feeling of love and being loved and being respected and being treated well. And I think, you know, the cabaret is, to me, was a surprise in its uniqueness. It was like, like a little nest of Irish people, or is you could it? almost call it an oasis in the desert of, 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 of niceness. You know? Isn't it? It's fantastic out and there. At home, of course, in Ireland, you know, the, our weather can often put a bit of a dampness in love. But yeah. not really. But you know, out there, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I'll get dear much to depress me in a minute by telling me what the weather is like. But, but um, you've you've married off through Lister Varney. You reckon you've three thousand marriages to your under your belt, Willie? Yeah, there would be a lot of marriages like over. I suppose I added a, quite a long time, Peter, and yeah. over the years, and it's kind of consistent. Good man. What's, the minute, what's the secret like? What's what's when people come talking to you? What what's the secret? Well, with me, I presume I would. I could almost maybe say the secret would be the tradition of it. You know, when people arrive at a certain age, a certain point. I mean, there's a lot of systems out there now with the internet and all those, and all of them I think are okay if they're okay. And uh, but I think traditionally, for a lot of people. You know, there's a time in their life, a place in their life, and a spot where they think, well, it's a good idea to get married. Yeah. It's a good idea to settle down, have a family. And that has become very popular and very common again, as well as that. Brilliant. You know, that people are going back to what their grandmothers did, have a lovely quality of life and home life and family yeah. life. And as time has progressed in many ways, a lot of changes has occurred, but nothing has changed because... It can't be replaced, that lovely feeling of happiness in, with a, a man, his wife, and a family. Isn't that the truth? You know, and and, and you, you, know when it's, you know when it's right. You know when it's right, Willie. And, yeah, and it's that's true. coming back to people out of all the progress that has been made. Yes. That, there's no substitute for that, uh, you know, that nice feeling of happiness. Come here. Has any, have, of these couples that you have successfully matched, how many weddings have you been invited to? Uh, quite often, I have two weddings coming up now. I may go to them, and I'm lately I'm inclined not to because, you know, I, as much as weddings and and a matchmaker, it's, it's a big aspect of it, weddings. But I kind of 
almost feel that from from the average person's point of view, you know, three weddings a year is enough to attend. It's <laughs> it. true, it is true. That's have you been, have you been godfather be 20 babies, Willie? Pardon? Have you been godfather 20 babies? Uh, well, recently, you know, I was at a hospital in, in Slow about two years ago, maybe three now, the COVID will get confused with the years. Okay. But um, I was walking up the town, it's a fabulous, maybe 300 year old horse fairy in Balnaslow. And uh, I could hear this man shouting, Hi, hi, Willie Daly, Willie Daly, look at the trouble you got me into. He, yeah. he, was, stro- he was strolling down the town, he was a fairly tall man with this lovely woman with him, and they had a stroller and they had three babies inside in the stroller triplets. <laughs> he said, you introduced us about five years ago. I'll be honest, I couldn't remember him, but, but I, I said, that's good trouble you're in, I said. <laughs> and he meant he was laughing as well. I mean, I hadn't kind of known, but it was so nice just to see them out. And sometimes some of my, you know, it's only last week even that one of my own grandchildren said to me about you know, someone that we had a riding school for years here. So people that come and then that say when we were children, we were up here house riding and things. So this family arrived and that a parent came and we had introduced, my father had introduced their parents. Brilliant. And, you know, it was an interest and it was nice to listen to. Oh, it's it's lovely. They're, 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 they're all traditions. And you, you... Are you still doing it, he says to me. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'd be keeping away about the same. I said, you know, it has never changed a lot. But... He just said to me, and it, had, it hadn't dawned to me, he said, Jesus, you know, there's thousands of people walking around that probably wouldn't be there only for matchmaking, you know, yeah. that they may or may not have got married, may or may not have children. And then it's not always the ones who marry, it's their children and their grandchildren will continue are. to yeah. exist. And that's yeah. nice. But having said it, I suppose the weakness would be that I haven't enough of it done. <laughs> you keep it, keep it. You might <laughs> have a few successes. Anywhere. Anyway. Oh, dear man, how, how and you... I find it lovely. There's 11 or 12 Irish pubs That's and right. all for flowers. That's right. Dear man, how, how do you two know each other? The atmosphere of love, which is nice. That goes back a long way. Well, Willie wouldn't have known me 40 years ago when I used to go to Liston Garner myself. I'd met him there a few times over the years. Yeah. But he wouldn't have remembered me and... Uh, in actual fact, I spent my honeymoon in Liston Varna. Did but, you uh, meet the wife in Liston Varna? <laughs> no, I did not. But she introduced me to Liston Varna. I see. <laughs> she was trying, she yeah. might have been trying to get rid of me, I think. I don't know at the time. But how uh, that came about, we intended doing this festival in Jabberoy here in 2020. Yeah. And because the restrictions were still going on, and we put it to kicked it into touch and we said we'd have a go in 2021. Yeah. And I rang, I rang Willie and Willie never hesitated and himself and Elsie were jumped on the plane and they landed here on the 19th of October 2021 and as the story goes the rest is history of what happened here for the week. Oh, we had. So, so what do you do with him? Do you put him, does he move around from pub to pub or do you have him in a little yeah. tent or where do you, where do you put him? Oh, we're not allowed tents out here, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we go from pub to pub. There's about 12 pubs involved Hello. in this. Yeah. There's about 12 pubs involved in this, and uh, he goes from pub to pub. Some of them he might visit twice a day, afternoon and evening, and then we always have a nightcap in the Trinity, as Willie will tell you himself. Spot. That's his spot, because he's 
he's staying just across the road from yeah. his last port of call shall yeah, we say yeah would, would you have the Cabaret Inn involved in that one now oh god yes They're without good, a doubt yeah. favourite spot, a favourite spot of mine a favourite spot is it? Of mine. it is god, a favourite I, I must have met you in there at some stage you could, so well, have, you, you could well have you could That's well my have. local pub when I go up to Slip for a drink. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I dragged my poor wife into it in 2019 because a great friend and two friends and colleagues of mine from here used to love it and recommended it to me. So I fell in love with the place. I, I actually love the whole, it's just a great little spot to go. Have a fantastic festival when it comes. Hold on because Maureen, Maureen is here. Maureen, please pronounce this name and settle a lifelong argument. What is it? Is it Matehe? Matehe? What's the name of the place? It is called Mo Teha. Mo Teha. There you go. That's me too. Hi, talk. PJ. Thanks for having yeah. me on. You're in the Strand Bar. I'm in the Strand Bar, PJ, out in Mo Teha. And really I suppose PJ as well, you know. Hold on there, Willie, till I talk to Maureen. Stay there for me. Oh, sorry about that. Hi, Maureen. Yeah. And um, I know Willie very well for a long time. And Willie has been down to the Strand Bar in February 2020, before the lockdown. And I've invited him back down again there now for... Um, the first week in February of next year. So we're really looking forward to the crack with him again. There you go now, Willie. Strand Baron Monteha. That's a big gig as well as as well as Cabaret. <laughs> I know I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Fantastic. Maureen, thanks a lot and our best to I can now pronounce it. Thanks. Monteha. I've been getting it wrong since I was a child. Thanks, Maureen. Listen, you're going to have a great festival, Willie, and you're and you're over there. So you're moving up your do you take a drink, Willie? Oh yeah, you do. I've always had a, it's a balance. I think it's, it creates the balance in life. I think you're right. But Peter, <laughs> there's a great link in terms of tradition too between Spain and um, Ireland. You know, if you take the flamenco dancing and the Irish tradition, when I was very young, I spent a little bit of time in Granada, okay. and there were gypsy dancers in, in the caves and the Scots. You know, I was very impressed. And, but, and in the Irish dancing, again, which is heavy on the ground, it has, it has a wonderful likeness to it. Not the same music, but certainly oh, the same, almost the same beat. So I think that I was hoping this time that a good lot of marriages might take place between the Irish and the Spanish. You oh, might yeah. end up with a couple of bullfighters or something in the next <laughs> generation from it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> oh, listen, it's great. It's good man, Willie. Willie Daly, Dermot Moore, Dermot from El Faro in uh, Cabo Roy, Willie Daly, the legend of Liston Varna, and Maureen O'Sullivan from the Strand Bar in Mauteha, dating in the sun and the Costa Blanca. Do you know what? If I had the time off, I'd nearly go and buy a plane ticket. Not for the dating, I'd be slaughtered, but for the crack. It'd be brilliant. 0818 96 96 96. John says myself and two other lads went there for the first and only time to Listoon Varna. The drinking is something else. We met a guy who was 86 years old, was going there 57 years and said, I never had any pleasure yet. That put a down a downer on us and we were straight out the road to go. <laughs> Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Now, a story got raised on the show yesterday. Uh, the Kinsale bus, the 226. That was it. Maureen was on talking about issues with the 226, including the fact there's no actual bus stop in town. People just queue up in Clontarf Street in the rain. The fact that the bus goes into the airport on both ways, that can confuse everybody. 
and generally that it's just not frequent enough for the number of people who want to use it. It's a successful service, but they need to expand it. Cahill, a lot of a lot of people got in, t- in touch with us after that show. Uh, Cahill, morning. Morning. You're a student. Yes, I'm a student at UCC. I've just started. And you use this bus? I use it to get home, yes, on a daily basis. So so what's the, what's the RD like? Because it sounds like it can be. Well, the story is that the bus is an hourly service, it seems, at the moment. So when I end college, it kind of works out well for me because it's a 20-minute walk from UCC all the way out to Clontarf Street. Right. But I need to walk the 20 minutes because you need to be there 40 minutes in advance if you want to secure your place on that bus, oh. which is a bit strange. And I mean that genuinely. Like It's, it's very frustrating. And Clontarf um, Street, I'm sure you know, with the rain and all that, there's no bus shelter. And there's not even any seats, really. There's not even a window bench to maybe sit on. Yeah. A lot of elderly folk that are lining up for that bus. Do you know, it's it's very frustrating to be kind of waiting for the bus and watching these people lashing in the rain and there's no place for them really to sit down or take shelter. It's a very sad scene, to be honest. Yeah, and you could be there for half an hour and there's generally not enough space on the bus for everybody in the queue. No, there isn't. And because that bus starts in Kent Station, so it actually starts at Kent Station, and it makes its way to Clontarf Street. Then you actually don't know it, how many people got on a Kent ah, Station intending to go to I the airport. Didn't know that now, Cahill. That's a new one on me. So, so it comes from the airport, so, uh, and obviously we had stopping at the from the train station and, and stopping at the airport. It's almost operating as a dual service. So, serving the airport from the train station and serving Kinsale. That's it. They're trying to do two things with the, the jack of all trades, master and none, really, to be honest. Mm. And that's frustrating. Like, you think that there'd be a shuttle bus from maybe the station to the airport yeah. and all the business park, because that is maybe 30 or 40% of the bus getting on at Clontarf Street are going to the maybe the airport business park. Right. But, you know... So, so how There's often kind of, are you unlucky that you don't get a bus? And what would you obviously you just wait for the next one? Then I suppose. Now, I always make it kind of early. I always run at forty minutes, but I do see people who maybe came ten minutes in advance and they don't get on the bus. And also, that means that every stop it makes from Cork out to maybe as far as the airport, no one can get on the bus because the bus is full and they have to wait for the next bus and hope to God that it's not filled up. Yeah. And would you, many people then get off at the airport? The, there's a good few gets off at the airport business park, all right? Mm. Or maybe the airport itself going out to travel. But, right. like, <laughs> the bus is trying to serve kids sail, like... Yeah. You're right, it's a dual purpose. They should always have those double-decker buses running it because you, there's such a, a high volume coming on to you, us. You would think... Would you not that in 2022, a shuttle service between the railway and the airport would be a separate service all of its own? You would think that, all right, because it's common sense. Me and you are sitting here discussing this, and we can we can work this out. It doesn't take Rocket doesn't science. take a transport genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, there's no sign of that happening. There's, I think, you can get on the two two five if you're going from Kent Station to the airport too. 
but because there's such a high volume of people going from the station or the city centre to the airport, the mm. 225 is also serving, I think, uh, Carrigaline. Like, you know, oh. people who go from, maybe we'll say, Kent Station, who want to go to the airport, they mm. kind of have to go onto these buses going to completely different places. And just, no one wins. It's a lose-lose. It is a lose-lose. Thanks, Cahill. Safe travelling. Oh, wait, if you can get a bus. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Beatty, you take that bus regularly as well. Morning. Yes, hello. Good morning. I live in Kinsale, where the 226 is, you know, starting off. Yeah. So, in the morning, it's fine. Yeah, I come to work. Uh, or I have to go to the city center and then I change bus. I will talk about that after that, okay? Yeah. But the return from Bellani, I work in Bellani, right? Okay. I can't catch the bus on time so that I stop at five. So ideally, I would like to get a bus at six then, at yeah. least from city. But I can't do it. It's not possible. So... Um, I was told that before Corona, the bus went there every half an hour. And yeah. now we have every hour. And on not on time, sometimes too early, most of the time too late. You know, people queue there, 30 people, for example, yeah? Yeah. There's no proper bus stop anyway. So the whole <laughs> infrastructure is just... So, so when you finish work, Beati, in the evening, you get yes. your bus in from Blarney, and then obviously you want to get another bus down to Kinsale, and that's where you exactly. have the problem. Well, the problem starts actually here also in Bellani already because I have to walk 30 minutes to the next bus stop. Okay. There's, I, I work in the bus uh, in the Bellani business, business park in Park Place Technologies. It's a fantastic company and they have a huge new office here. Um, and they spoke also to the bus, uh, Aaron, and I don't know to who else, uh, about a bus stop closer to the business park. Yeah. But no, I have to walk now 30 minutes. You know, in the dark, in the rain, in the cold, in the in the in the dangerous road there in the morning to get to to work, yeah? yeah, because there is no bus stop. And in the evening, when I go home, I have to walk again back thirty minutes, yeah. yeah? And then the bus is late or coming two fifteen. Uh, it's coming, but late also. Yeah. I can't get the connection bus to Kinsale. I have to wait always an hour, so I need overall three hours to go home. Wow. Three hours. I don't have a life. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have really got two problems. One, you have the, the yes, difficulty yes. with getting the bus home, but also that ridiculous walk of 30 minutes to the first Absolutely. bus stop. And you know, in Kins, uh, the bus to Kinsale is packed with, I say, tourists. Yeah. Everybody wants to go to the airport. Yeah. Even from Kinsale, people, a lot of tourists are there. So yeah. why are they not? Uh, you know, have that on their mind. Yeah, that we need people space. contacted you know. us were saying that, that the, the Kinsale bus goes to the airport, which means people will yeah. go to the airport to get their flight. Exactly, which is important. But people who live actually in Kinsale or Bilguli or Riverstick, they can't get home. Some, really, I'm telling you the truth. It's people standing there in the queue. Sometimes the bus is already packed when he arrived, when he arrived at yeah. um, Clontarf Street. Yeah. Opposite of yeah, we're the bus uh, stop is a part of this or what? Yeah, Clontarf you Street. See? Yeah, and, yeah. Then they, and then they have to stand there and they, they can't get in. I mean, that is absolutely unacceptable. So you are leaving Blarney, yeah. leaving mm. your job in Blarney at five o'clock. You have a thirty-minute walk 
to the uh-huh. bus stop. To the next you, bus stop. You uh-huh. then get the bus into town uh-huh. and you have to take your chances whether there'll be a concealed bus or not for you. you could More be... or less, but most of the time not. Because yeah. I'm, I'm even, even when and the bus is on time, he goes at, at 38. Yeah. So it needs longer than 20 minutes. Gotcha. You could be standing at the bus stop in the pouring rain and then the bus might be full. Yeah. For example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I go always to the airport, you know, with the 225. There's a 225 going as well. I go to the airport and then I wait there because their chances are bigger that I get anyway a place into the Kinsale oh, bus. So, so sometimes you're actually getting three buses home because you're... Yeah. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> And you know, one thing I want to say here, I'm, I'm German, okay, and I came 15 years ago to Ireland. I lived in Dublin before, which was great. You know, there is not that problem like yeah. we have in Cork. There's better infrastructure. However, you know the Celtic Tiger in the 90s when the companies all came into the country, built companies, built businesses, boost the country yeah. to all those people who come into the country, right? Americans, we are all the Europeans working here now. Yeah. Please. I want to consider that that the people who come here to work and build up basically the country's, you know, infrastructure and, and the yeah. well being of the deserve, country. Deserve better they deserve services. Better treatment. But here's the, do you know what I just figured out? Beati, and I'll let you with this one. Hmm. You're here you're German, correct? Yeah. You it takes um, it takes you longer to get home to Kinsale from then Blarney then to fly to Munich. True, true, true. That's in, that's true. demented. That's just mad. Thank you for calling us today. Thank you so much for taking my call, for taking my voice. Thank you so much for counting on people. Cheers, baby. Yeah, she'd be in Germany faster than she'd be home from Blarney to Kinsale. Emma says, I'm just texting in regard to this 226. I'm a 20-year-old college student who uses the 226 bus route to get to and from college during the week as well as up and down to conceal for work at the weekends. The 226 is a shambles and that's an understatement. From the college student perspective, the 226X runs at half seven in the morning serving UCC and MTU and then never returns again. And that's if it even makes it to the destinations as there's been more than one morning when we've been taken off the bus as it has to go serve another route. What? It leaves us all late for lectures and usually stranded somewhere just outside Cork City. As a result of this, uh, the service disappearing after 8.45, from MTU I must take the 205 to the city, usually missing the 226 for that hour and the next with traffic. On some days with the 226 in such demand, it could take three hours or more to get home. The 226 is under constant pressure, serving a busy tourist town like Kinsale and also travelling to the airport. But both Aaron refused to add another service or to extend the 226 to every half an hour. To be fair, it is a, if you like, it's a function of the NTA rather than Bus Aaron to do that, but I see your point. Alice says, all summer Kinsale's been leaving intending passengers behind in Kinsale as the bus is full. It also happens when Kinsale bus arrives at the airport. It's full by the time it leaves the city centre. Sheila, it's for the tourists going to the airport all day long. If you're lucky to get that bus, if you're 10% chance, Bus Aaron needs a bus every half an hour uh, to, to Kinsale, to Riverstake, to Belgooley. There's no seats for anybody. 226 
way under capacity needs to be more frequent with less 20-minute trips to the airport. Shouldn't the airport service be a direct shuttle to town? A separate route like? Lisa, I believe there's a discussion going on. There is. I've spent the summer having to drop and pick up my two teenagers for work in Kinsale. The bus just drives through Riverstick and Belgooley because it's full. Or maybe there's one or two seats left and it's 30 or 40 minutes late. We need extra buses on the route for the summer so locals can get their normal bus to work in Kinsale. The city, I've one college student who gets the 7.30 bus in the morning. It serves UCC and MTU, but it doesn't do a return journey. It's six people waiting in the dark, unsafe area for the 226 to come. That's leaving them there till 7 for the next bus. Loads and loads are in, in that, but just pages and pages. Alice, waiting two hours at the airport, was lucky to get a seat on the bus. Sheila, I said this to him about a driver, and he said the drivers were sick and tired of telling this to management. Marion, I often cycle by the bus stop in Kinsale, and there's a huge crowd and people often left behind. Debbie mentions it, Karen, Kerry, Joanne, Loads of people contacting us yesterday about that situation. Back to, oh, I must do this. The Premier League Live is back this weekend. Just got confirmation of the fixtures. Back on 96M.ie with Trevor Welsh this Saturday from midday. Powered by TalkSport. Live coverage this weekend with Trev and the team. Leicester against Crystal Palace at half 12. Wolves v Notts Forest at 3. And Spurs against Everton at 5.30. The Premier League Live Online is with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. We briefly get back to the story of the late Angela Lansbury, who passed away yesterday at the age of 96 and had a huge connection to Cork. Spent a lot of time here, owned a house here, and generally loved Cork city and county. Mary, you remember her. Morning. Morning, Peach. How are you? Good. Yeah, I, I do, um, PJ. Working in Rochester stores, Angela was a great customer. And when she would come to the city, she'd always come shopping. She'd do her supermarket shop there. And um, she was a lovely lady. You very, very quiet. And, you know, didn't have the star or about her at all. She would just come along in the queue. She'd join the queue like everybody else. And, yeah. She'd come up and I, I can remember the first, very first day I met her was actually in the deli and I, I was just, you know, head down, concentrating on the customers, next please, how and next this lady stood in front of me and I looked and I went, oh, I know that face and then I looked and she smiled and I smiled and then she smiled again and then one of the lads came down behind me and said, you know who that is? And, um, but like, she was so nice and she had one very, very favourite picture. She absolutely loved Ox tongue, I don't know. Do you ever taste yeah. it? Or it's absolutely gorgeous. But she loved it, and we, when she'd come along, we, the girls would say, "Oh, look who's coming! Here comes Miss Andrew." We slice it fresh for her, and we put the slice of tissue paper in between each slice, right? So that you know, you, you know what you said. It's very, very fine meat. I don't know. Did you ever eat it? It's I've never gorgeous. eaten it. I can't say I oh, have. Oh, it's Mary. gorgeous, and it's amazing, PJ. There was only three weeks ago, my mom and myself we were chatting about. I don't know, we were talking about meat and we were, and I, my mother said, the ox, Tom, like a lady, and I said, Angela Lansby, she said, yeah, and I actually was in Dunn's that day and I got the girl to slice some of it for my mum, because my mum would be around the same vintage as Angela, not quite the 96, <laughs> but nearly getting there, good old Nora, but 
But she was she she was she, she was, was lovely. Absolutely an incredible, lovely lady and we often chatted to her and she would tell us we often said, What's it like? And she said, Ah, she'll go out of that and go out <laughs> and she'd come up the queue with her basket or her trolley. She always had a trolley actually and she'd come along and she'd just say, I'll have and she'd get a big lot of it so that, you know, and we'd cut it fresh, the girls would do it for her, the lads. And she'd but she loved that's the one thing always stood out to me about her. She always loved the Mary, for it. I'm going to have to run. Lovely story about a lovely lady, uh, the late great Angela Lansbury, who had great connections to Cork. That's it. The opinion line edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Berry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96fm.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.